Podcast, we live one more time. You know what I'm saying? Hey, I'm feeling this. Uh, you know, we, we, we uh in the building a couple times a week now. Uh, on them real quick. <laughs> one time, one time. ELR was good though. Man, I'm good, man. Having you know, living life, enjoying every bit of it. How you doing, man? Or chilling, chilling, you know, uh here, Milwaukee, holding down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How everything been going back in the in, in the mill, man? How y'all been doing out there, man? She living it, living it up, you know, doing what what, what DJs do, you know. <laughs> you know I'm, I'm like, man, fuck it, let's go live one time. Uh, called the homie, homie in, you know, we have been connected lately and shit. I'm like, hey, fuck it, let's get down, cause he he, he wasn't on none of the old older episodes, and uh, no, we just no. bumping bumping to each other like, yo, man, get me on, you know what I'm saying? So my my guy Rucker, you know, he he has a a different type of story <clears throat> than, than than usual, you know, catch normally, you know, DJ and then get into production and yeah. shit like that. You know, uh, uh, my man took a whole different angle. You know what I mean? He used to rap, you know, back in the day. Then <clears throat> got into to, to the production. I mean, uh, the, the the promo, you know, promotions and shit. Turned the club all the way up. I don't know if y'all remember uh, Oak back in the day. And then, you know, turned to the site. So, you know, I, I'm not even going to tell the brother's story. You feel <laughs> what I'm saying? I'm already giving, giving, giving too much away. But, you know, without further ado, you know, my man Rucker, introduce yourself, bro. What's up, y'all? My name is Rucker Krieger. Um, I'm from Milwaukee. Well, now I live in Milwaukee, but uh, always kind of been in Wisconsin. Um, started off rapping, I guess, kind of, you know, making my own music. And then, you know, opened up for different rappers back in the day, Yellow Wolf, whatever the works. Um, then I got into promotions and um, I was a club promoter for four five years and then that turned into emceeing in the club for other djs and then now here we are now i am djing so and i'm about two years in now so it's been pretty okay, that's, that's a set that's a set or let's, let's not skip over skip over any of that so you start in what year you start off like like taking it serious like all right I, i'm in the game i'm rapping i'm good at it how'd you end up on on the tour or, or, or how did all that start? <sighs> yeah so i mean i was always kind of I graduated high school in 09. For starters, I went to uh, kind of a boondocks-ass high school. I'm from West Bend, Kewaskam area, which isn't really the biggest of towns. But um, How far is that from Milwaukee? It's about 50 minutes. Okay. Uh, right, maybe right, an right. hour. But, you know, a lot of, lot of farm fields, a lot of, lot of people driving their uh, their trucks and tractors to school. So <laughs> oh, shit. Kind of, kind of, kind of, I but, um, yeah, so I mean, basically it was one of those things where like I never fully fit in with anyone. So um, the moment I graduated, I, I kind of knew what I wanted to do. So um, I was always taking like like popular remixes of like you know like Drake and Meek and all that stuff, and then I was kind of putting my own twist on it, freestyling over it, whatever. And then I was like, dang, you know, this is actually like pretty cool. Like out of nowhere, like people in my hometown was kind of like messing with me, which was crazy because that's like the hardest place to get any kind of support. Yeah, for um, sure. But then sure. the moment that I graduated, um, you know, probably I would say within two years of graduating, I went to college out there and then I moved to Milwaukee. Um, and that's when I really started taking it serious. Uh, I started messing with a guy named 4 um, who now uh, owns like a huge videography company called um, Forever Productions. Um, but at the time, he was like one of the gnarliest rappers slash producers 
Um, so he used to produce all my tracks for me. It was kind of funny because like I spent all this time making like freestyles and like, um, you know, like rapping over like stuff that I thought was hard, kind of putting my own take on it. Um, and then it kind of took like a funnier route because, you know, we had this idea because uh, I think Kiss FM used to do this thing back in the day called Kiss Icon. And basically what you had to do was... Oh, you was on that? Yeah, well, I, I tried to be. Okay. I mean, yeah, I was. But in general, at the time, it was like one of those things where you had to record like a like a, like a top 40 type song, which is a little yeah. out of my range, but I figured I would try it and see how I did because at the time, like Corey Piper right. was always on it and stuff like that. Um, and later down the road, we became really good friends. But in layman's terms, I dropped this song and it was like some me trying to like sing, like, you know, like some girly type shit. Um, and it was funny because for the longest time, like everybody was like downloading it and playing it like to like almost like as a joke. So right. I was like, man, forget this. I'm never doing this shit again. And then from that point on, I was like surely just dropping like freestyles to like, like Meek Mill, like Drake, all that stuff. Like I was always really big on Meek Mill, like as a mixtape artist, okay. you know, like we were talking like pre Dream Chasers. So yeah. once he dropped like Dream Chasers, I was like, man, like, you know, like, well, I, fe I feel like one of the hardest songs I knew at the time was Burn by him oh, and Big Sean. Damn, and I, Sean. not only just the beat was hard, but like, I just feel like both their verses, right. they was going Super crazy. Like, so almost right. like trying to outdo each other. And I was like, shit, if I can drop a record above that, like on that, like if I can drop a verse or two on that. So I made a freestyle of that song with, with uh, 4.0. And that was really where I think like, I started getting like finally noticed as a lyricist. So then, um, you know, like I, I did a bunch of like the, um, like we would rent out Turner Hall for our birthday and sell mm. out the show ourselves. Mm. And then that turned into like the person from um, Turner Hall hitting uh, 4-0 up about opening up for Yellow Wolf. And then that's kind of how I met Chris Carnes. So Turner Hall, let's, let's not, like, let's, let's, let's big up what yeah. needs to be big up. How many people does Turner Hall hold? I mean, I would probably say like six, five, six hundred. You know, as, as, a, as a local doing your own shows, that's, 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 that's real, real good, bro. Yeah. Yeah, so what we did is we, we were always trying to get these shows, at, and, and I feel like we were kind of shooting too low. We were kind of more or less shooting for, um, like, clubs and stuff, and, like, I don't know. But then basically through that, we were just like, why don't we just see what it costs to rent out Turner Hall? So actually my 21st birthday was me and 4-0 headlining Turner Hall, and we hired the openers, we hired the DJs, mm. we paid the hip-hop insurance, we put down the down payment, like, all that stuff. I mean, mainly 4-0 had the money at the time, but – Regardless, um, so you had to get some hip hop insurance for the for the for the venue. Yeah, you had to get like I think it was like eighteen hundred bucks. It's like it's eighteen hundred bucks to get insurance on a hip hop or a rap show. So we had to play in front all that. Um, but then we ended up making it back. Like I think we had like three or four hundred people in there, which is like pretty crazy for like no one knowing who we are. Right. And for me, yeah. fresh into Milwaukee, um, and then it went so well, which was super tight that um, when Yellow Wolf was doing the Slow American tour, aka like Ritz was on it. And this was before Rick signed with Tech Nine, but right. like now with Tech Nine, and he's you know doing his thing. And then Chris Carnes, who is a Red Bull three style champion, yeah. uh, he was the direct DJ like opener. Um, so that's how I met him, and I was just like, man, the shit that he's doing is crazy. Um, and actually, he, he, shout was he? He was dope back then too. Yeah, he was that. I mean, some of his <laughs> yeah. some, he does he does these mixes on YouTube, like I think like six seven years ago, that just impressed me so bad. It was like an entire hour's worth of like wordplay. I want to say it's like masters of their like I, I forgot exactly what it was called but i mean the, some of these things are like in the six digits and views for a dj just doing wordplay videos you know wow. when i first seen them live was the time that we opened up with them and i mean like 
like if I remember correctly, homie had like an Akai like like machine, right. like uh, like a uh, like a controller. And there was a moment where like yeah he DJ, but he would like get up in front of the whole crowd and like make a live beat in Start front of the crowd, like right on front, like right on his fucking chest with a controller. And I was like, man, That's this awesome. shit is doing this is the craziest. Yeah. And that was when I like kind of was really like opening my eyes to it all. Like man, this is crazy. Like people like DJs actually throwing a live show. You know what I mean? Right before Yellow Wolf is crazy, like. Homie was on the Red Bull 3 style stuff. And then, like, I don't know. I just became a big fan at that point. Um, and then from that point there, like, I think me and Chris are still, like, friends on Instagram and shit. And he's still, like, yeah, I think he does, like, tours with Pretty Lights and shit now, which is huge. But um, from that point then on, um, I mean, it, the music thing wasn't really making a whole ton of money. So I went back to college. Um, and through through going living on the UWM campus, I got into, like, club hosting. So I actually did... <clears throat> I want to say five years ago when like and Dix was in the prime. So we don't want. I, I hate to cut, no, cut people. We, we don't want to skip the process because yep. just keep people need to understand the process, bro. Like you know, and people think you're new in the game. Whether you start off as a rapper, like this whole culture, man, it's more than one hat you can put on. So right. you you on a tour bus. Let's just explain this, bro. Let's just explain, break it down. Touring, paying for your spot on the bus. Yeah. Can we can we dip in that to a little bit? Little sure. Bit? So I mean, I'm. And this I, is for all like like up and coming artists, whether that's, that's, that's DJ, yeah. you know, it, it, it's it's the, the the steps it takes to to be great, man. You know, and and, and shit, it, it it takes years sometimes, bro. Yeah, and and I mean, real quick so, though, but, to to your point, like what you were just saying earlier, like about like y'all only had what three, four, five hundred people, but like like. The reality of the fact is, you know, everybody think when you want to do music, it's like I was talking to my grandfather about this. My grandfather's like 80 years old. So his perception of doing music is different from then and now. But he was like, I was telling him like, man, you know, it's different. All you really need is, you know, that that golden rule, that thousand true fans. You get you a thousand true fans and whatever it is you're doing, you can really sustain that and live off of that. As long as as you smart and find ways to monetize it, whether it's touring, whether it's merchandise, whatever it is, you can do public speaking and make money off of it. If you got a thousand people that's willing to come see you on a a consistent basis. So that's I think it's important to highlight that. But my back, you go. No, you're good. So so, so you're on tour. And how how does that work? You're on tour. How, How do you get on tour? So I'll be the first to say, I mean, I didn't do a lot of like the, you know, the West Coast, East stuff, East Coast stuff. I was more or less doing like a lot of the Midwest stuff. But I will say, you know, the tour thing is kind of where you notice like how hard the music industry is. I, I want to say, you know, funding the music, having a record deal and all that is, is you know, finding that is tough. And yeah, it is. Um, but just sheerly like being on tour is hard. Like, I, I don't know what your experience was, but mine was I was young. I was like 21 years old, 22 um, and when you when you pull like the Midwest thing, like it's like either you drive to the destinations yourself and you meet up and half the times you're not getting paid because you're just trying to make a name for yourself right. or B, worst case scenario, if you are on the bus, the bus has a fee to be on it. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot like like basically what they'll say to you is like you can be on this bus and you could be the, the very first opener and we have five openers, you know, but. If you don't want to do it, that's okay because we'll find somebody else. So, A, there's like a $350 monthly fee to be on this bus, you know, and we're, we're not going to pay you any money. You know, you got to buy your own food. You got to buy your own clothes. You got to do your own laundry, whatever. You know, so that's really where I think, 
like it gets lost in a perception of once you're on a bus, it's good to go. Yeah, but you're good. so that's why half the time I, I would drive to a lot of my own stuff. But being on the bus when you were doing that, it's it's different. Like a lot of the times you don't always get to meet or hang out with the headliner because they're doing their own thing or they got their own family time right. or whatever. And then B, you're paying all this money out of pocket just to get a ride to where you're going, you know, that like a lot of people end up going home and having to stay home and save up some money for a year, two years, back out. once that shit gets done, just to get back out again, yeah. because it costs so much money to just get your name out there. And it's a lot different now, because this is like a time where we were switching from, you know, now if you're hot on social media, or if you got a record on SoundCloud, or if you got 100,000 followers on Instagram, you can go and be like, yo, give me 10 grand, and it's cool. But like, right. this was a time where like, MySpace was still the bigger thing. Facebook was becoming cool. And Instagram was like, not a lot of people were fucking with it at the time. Right. So like, the only way you got your name out there was not through social media, having a bot, like, you know, whatever. It was through, like, going there and playing at 9 p.m., even though the headliner's not going on until midnight, you know, just hoping that that 50 people that got there early to get a front row spot would remember you and maybe, like, go check out your MySpace or whatever, right, you know? Right, right. So this was at a time where, like, I mean, social media was there. But, but I, it wasn't what it was. I mean, now, what I think it is 2010, now. 2011 is the time I'm talking about in, like, it just wasn't as easy as it is now to put something out on the internet or be a good looking dude on the internet and then right. get, get a DJ career, an artist career through that way. Cause I mean, like, I mean, how many DJs do you know that are touring nationally that like are playing like a pre-made set, you know what I'm saying? Or like a, a, they're right. playing a mix basically an hour and they're getting $20,000. Cause you know, I mean, I'm not going to name any names, but in general we didn't have it like that. No. Um, so basically that was the struggle. That was the beauty also in the breakdown, I guess. But um, that's why I had to come back home once that got finished. Um, and once I was like, you know, cause my parents were basically on the whole, like, okay, you did this. You didn't really make a whole ton of money on it. Can we please like get you to go to college now? So everything kind of took a, <clears throat> okay. took an end. Um, and I went back to school. I moved to like the UWM campus, um, with like some of my best friends and we were throwing crazy house parties, like probably every weekend. Um, to the point where my grades really weren't the best. I'm not going to lie to you because at this point, like we were like almost legit, like throwing money to, or like throwing parties to get money for rent type stuff. Type shit, yeah. um, but that, through that, you know, I started going to like Dick's and I used to go out and just try to meet bartenders. And I, I always kind of knew in my head, like maybe <laughs> on the side, you know, this house party, this club party and stuff could maybe lead to me getting back into the music field. That was always my idea. So when oh, I got back home, okay. I was like, yeah, okay, I'll listen to my parents. I'll go to college now, whatever. I'll get a day job. But the whole kind of idea in my head was, was maybe somehow, you know, God's going to throw me a, a good roll of dice here. And through hanging out at clubs and meeting bartenders and meeting promoters and all that stuff, and then doing house parties and getting people engaged in my parties and my friends' parties, that maybe this could work out again somehow. So I kind of like threw everything away. And kind of just gave it all up to God. And then, you know, we started going out to Dick's a lot. And then um, it was actually a really crazy story because me and DJ JB. Uh, <clears> shout out to JB. I got to yeah. get him on the, on the, we've been missing each other, I mean, man. He's, he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's big, he's we got to get you on here, JB. For real. For real. Yeah, I mean, he's, I mean, he's, he's putting Milwaukee on the map right now pretty well. But um, he's kind of a big person that I have to thank in a lot of the aspects. But the way that whole thing kicked off was me and JB have the exact same birthday. So nonchalantly, we both had VIPs next to each other um, for our birthday at Dick's. Not knowing? 
we didn't know who each other were. Oh, okay, okay. Like, okay. I, I kind of maybe thought that was him, like, you know, whatever. Right. I wasn't sure type thing. Um, we met then, um, and then I just started going out more. I used to go to Oak every Tuesday, which he was a resident at. Um, <laughs> and then through that, like, it was like, I would always, then, I, then from that, we, like, became super good homies, and I would, like, be in the DJ booth with him, like, kind of, like, hype manning him and, you know, saying birthday shout-outs on the mic and all that. So then I, like, kind of went into a situation where, my homies were all like getting girlfriends or whatever. And we were all going to split up out of our college house. So then I kind of like ran out of a place to live. Um, so then JB let me live with him. Mm -hmm. So then I lived with JB for two years. Um, and that was like just the coolest thing ever. I mean, just to see that dude's hustle from a, like a household aspect, like waking up, going to the studio, preparing tracks and going out. And I mean, that dude, that dude works six, seven nights a week. Like he's got like six weekly residencies, which is absurd, but, um, so then I would just go out with him, you know, and then that turned into like uh, us talking to Mike, who was pretty much the front man at Dick's at the time. Now he's at 720. Shout out to Mike. But, um, you know, and then he gave me my first chance as a promoter um, and we started the Milwaukee House Party, which just recently ended. But I'm super thankful for it because that party super, lasted four years. Super, super. Um, good every night. Friday. And, uh, and then, you know, basically through like watching Jay, learning through Jay, I was like, you know what? I, I actually really like this stuff. And. I think Jay does it, you know, differently. Like he really cares about all of his nights. He curates them. And, you know, like he's just such a high energy guy when he's DJing. Like it's just kind of inspiring to see, like you got DJs that are narrowly at, uh, you know, scratching, you got gnarly, you know, gnarly turntablists, you got your EDM artists, whatever. But he's just kind of like the best of every world. And like the one thing I always really liked about him when he played was like the surprises that he throws in. Like he makes these edits that just throw the whole crowd for a surprise. And then I was like, this is really cool. Um, so then uh, he used to have a setup at home. And I remember one night I was like bored. Um, and I was like, hey, man, like, because he was working that night. I was like, would you mind if I played on this a little bit? And then I farted around with it and I liked it. And then long story short, you know, we both moved out and moved downtown. Um, and then I bought like a, I think I bought like a, um, a DDJ SR from okay. Shannon from Shaken. What's up, Shaken? And then uh, that moved into an SX. And then I sold the SX and bought an SZ. And then I have the SZ and I bought some techs and so an S9, which is now like my home practice setup. And, you know, the rest was kind of crazy because um, I never planned on like DJing publicly. I was always DJing at home, okay. you know, because I, we were going, there was a time where, you know, like, you know, like I'd say in the past year or two, everybody started becoming DJs. Yeah. And I was kind of like, fuck, man, I don't want to be this guy that's like going to get hated on for it, you know, because... <laughs> I started off with all these other routes and now I'm just getting into it. And then yeah. it's going to turn into this hate fest. But luckily I kind of followed uh, like Sopa and Dex's shoes. So let's, let's, okay. Let's rewind just a, yep. a little bit. Yep. Now, yeah. the DJ scene, the, the, I don't want to be the guy that just hops in, you know, and, and everybody thinks like I'm just, just, just coattailing, you know, but. Which is really the main thing that I, that I wanted. I didn't want to go until I was at least somewhat ready. Right. I, you know, I wanted to make sure that everybody knew that I was serious about it. But you've been serious about the music yeah. since the start and, yeah. and, and the grind. It, it it might not have started like I did. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Carrying crates, hopefully get a five minute spot before Doc B goes on at this, this prime or this, you know, but it's it's still it's all the grind. It's it's the, it's the whole grind. You can't you you have to start somewhere, and yeah. you've been started. Yep. And people think that just because you're just now on the wheels presenting yourself as you, right? 
now people go, oh man, dude, dude, <laughs> man, he just get it. He, he getting all these breaks because he he know everybody or he a promoter or da 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 da. But nah, man, it's a grind, man. It's, it's, it's I mean, if anything, I, I I probably just went about it the reverse way of everybody. Else, right. You know, most people learn how to DJ and then they have to learn how to get people to Remote. the club yeah. every weekend so they can stay booked. You know, so yeah, I get but, some people. The truth, but the, the yeah. truth of the matter is too is like, man, and I think this is a good um like almost like a mission statement for even this podcast in regards to like we talking about f your dj i feel like when we talking about a dj it's a, it's really a, a representation of the culture you know right man it's not even about just djing because a lot of the stuff that we talk about on here can be applied if you're a promoter an sure. artist a producer you know what i'm saying you and, and a lot of times it's interchangeable people who are producers or artists and yep. you know what i'm saying etc cetera, etc cetera. like that's just a part of you know the culture that this like hip hop thing is like I think that that's and not right. just hip hop but I'm just saying like in general that culture you know what I mean yeah so which which leads me to my next question so does a DJ need to be a promoter in some way shape fashion so I watch these podcasts pretty avidly right um, and I notice you guys ask this question almost every time. <laughs> um, if we're talking a couple of years back no not necessarily right. Um, we talk about time and climate, exactly. You're, you're absolutely 100% correct. In day and age, absolutely. I, I really do feel that. Um, not only because I was that, and not, you know what I mean, and now it just sinks well, but it it really helps to have some kind of positive reach to people around you. Um, yeah. I obviously think that there's there's a certain, uh, like at least bare minimum amount of skill you need to have to go with that promotion. But I do believe that it, in today's day and age, if we haven't already like settled the debate, I believe that promotion is a very large part right. of your schedule. Yeah, I think it is. I think it is too. It's, so, it's, one thing is like right, let's deep dive a little bit, a little bit into it. So <clears throat> I always see, as of late, I'm promoting my night. I'm from Monday night at, at at Mangoes. I see cats, you know, like in New York, I put like a funny picture, like you know, what I mean, is that is that is that like the new thing to oh, do, yeah. or, you know, you, you'll put up a, a, a chick, you know what I'm saying, with no clothes, doing something like this, like, oh, meet me at Mangoes, you know what I'm saying, we we got hot wings or something weird like that, you know what I mean? Yeah. I live off of it, yeah. bro. You know, so, so elaborate, how do you, how do you come up with that stuff to, to just, because I, I, I'm not gonna lie to you, bro, like, like, I'm the dude that go, man, pull up, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Type deal, type deal. Hashtag pull up, I'm on the decks tonight. I mean, we're all guilty of that. Like, sometimes, you know, I've had a long day. I'm tired as hell, and I just I get lazy with it. But for the most part, I think that the funny promo is, like, the best promo. Um, when I was, like, early stages of promoting, uh, Jay still does this, actually. But the, one of the coolest things that we used to roll with back in the day was um, who did this. And we actually made a party, a resident, an aunt, or a monthly party at Oak and then site called who did this. Um, what, what, what was that? It, so essentially the way it started was I think Jay started taking pictures of like, like people at Oak on Tuesdays getting like super fucked up. Like let's say they were like passed out on a chair. It was their birthday. They were passed out on the chair with like a bottle on them or something. And then he would post that photo with like hashtag who did this, you know? Uh, Cause like the first thing uh, you're going to think when that person wakes up and they say, like, damn, who did this shit to me? Right. right. So then, and then it turned into like, I, I was the, who did this guy? hella times when we were, when me and him were kind of rolling together <laughs> too many times. But like, you know, like I remember one night it was like crazy as hell at Oak on a Tuesday. I was in the booth with him. He was playing. This was before I was DJing. And like, I was like, I was headbanging so hard. 
that I headbanged the motherfucking CO2 can uh, CO2 tank. Right. And the logo of the CO2 tank was bruised on my forehead, <laughs> like legit oh, concussion man. and everything. They're like, we still sometimes see that photo like come up, you know. So like, I always think the the, the funny promo is the good promo. Um, you know, like somebody who I really respect right now, I think they're killing the promo game is like Strategy and Dolo in Chicago. Okay. Like every week they try to take like a '90s or 2000s or even a modern day like tv show or movie and they'll make like a one minute skit of it with them in it um for their party so like like for example like when the packers were in chicago the other week one of the coolest ones i've seen them do was uh they made one of um like the packers being in town for the bears and you remember like the saturday night live skits where like the bears guys would sit all around the table they remade that skit of like and strategy was like choking on some food or whatever towards the end it was (laughs) like them they kill that shit like they make a full ass fucking production value of it but in layman's terms i mean there's like cool promo like you know like the dj walking in slow-mo in a video with his backpack up to the shit you know and then you know everybody hands in the air and those are cool too um but i just think the funniest promo is the best because i think that you know none of us are like rock stars or celebrities really you know we're, we're cool with the people that go out with us you know we're not cooler than them so if we're cool with them and we're not cooler with them, I think it lets them know that we're humans just like them. Assessment. When yeah, it, it just lets you know like I'm a real ass human being too. Like I just headbanged my ass on a CO2 uh, shit and I got a concussion from it. I was partying so hard, you know. But like y'all have been there. You know, right. your 21st birthday, you right. probably threw up on a cop car, whatever right. it be. Right, 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 right. <laughs> like you know what? It's more like a come hang out with me than a come see me because I'm this big fucking name type thing. Right. So I think the funny promo lets you know it's a little more personable. Right. Um, and I just think that the best the best way to reach somebody is to make them laugh, you know. So what, the best way you know someone's happy and they're willing to go out and see you is by making them laugh, I think. So um, I would like a good funny promo. Word. Hell yeah. So what's next for you, bro? Um, <clears throat> right now, I've just been kind of – it's it's really hard for me right now because uh, I'm probably one of the – you know, remaining dudes that work a full-time day job. I work for Google during the day, which is cool. Um, and then I try to DJ as much as I can at night. But, you know, I kind of like, I'm kind of at this this zone where like I average, like, let's say like 15 gigs a month. Um, I want to do more, but, you know, like, like you know, like I have a homie out in like Detroit or, and another homie out in like St. Louis, so hit me up. But it's like, I can't do it because six hour drive there, play in a so I'm kind of at that point where I'm stuck because I can't say yes to like day gigs or I can't say yes to like hella out of state gigs besides like Chicago or Indiana because I got to work the next day. So I think the next thing for me probably honestly as crazy as some people are going to think I am for saying this is I'm probably going to quit Google in the next six months to a year. Um, Like maybe work there, you know, for a little bit longer, but, um, and then really just give it everything I got. Like right now I'm, I, I feel like I'm, you know, 15 gigs a month is cool. I think that's pretty solid. That's like an average. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Most I ever had was like 20 or 21, but I was I was worn out and I was not right. feeling it. Um, you know, that was like <clears throat> maybe six to 10 hours of sleep for a whole week. You know I mean? It wasn't worth yeah. it. So um, I think I'm at that point now, which actually, thank God I am. You know, I think it's a blessing in disguise to be at that point where you can't take any more gigs because the day job gets in the way. But I think that's the next move so that I can start yeah. opening myself up. And really start giving it everything I got. Right, right. Which is which is a, a hard a harder thing to do, bro. You know, because th- there there are no uh, to do list, there are no t- task list for you handed to you. Like, all right, cool. As a DJ in the daytime, this is what you do. You have to make 
money. You have to go seek money. You have to make make a list of things for you to accomplish. So, yeah. so by the end of the week, you are making steps towards that bigger goal, man. You right. know what I mean? So, right. I, I, man, I, I look up to the, to these younger guys, bro, because they, they, it's it's now the now time, and you're going and using whatever resources that you have, bro. And you have to just move and truck forward, bro. Yep. And yeah. I see that. I, I see it. You know this guy is making moves. Y'all better uh uh recognize, bro. Y'all 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 take a fucking joke. Right, <laughs> you know, right. Man's in the in the back door, like, hey man, give me, yeah, you know, me. respect on his name. One time, one time. Uh, I'll I'll catch. I'll reach you. Uh, Instagram is probably the best. <laughs> I got my my handle's just Rutger Krieger. Um, otherwise I have that same name on Facebook. Whoa, whoa spell that, bro. Spell uh, that, bro. R U T G E R. So like. It's uh, like the college, the Rutgers, minus the S, and then Krieger. Um, so that's probably the easiest way to get in touch with me. Um, otherwise, RutgerKriegerBookings at gmail.com. Word, 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 word. Uh, shit, you know, that's how we do it real quick. If you're DJ the podcast, ELR, what's good with you? Hey, man, you know, we just got to – I feel like there's a lot of gems, you know what I mean? Somebody better hit replay, go back, you know what I'm saying? Catch you a little something. For real. Sharpen up. You know what I mean? You can ping <laughs> you know what I'm thinking? <laughs> yeah. DJ, ask for DJs. Why DJs? Get yeah. along. My man Rucker right here. And, and this is how we do it, man. We'll oh, catch yeah. you next time. Thank you for having me. No problem. Yeah. The, the hottest podcast in the world. Uh, 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 uh. F, F, F your DJ. DJ, DJ, DJ.